All right, let's do this. Another episode of Keel Conversations. I am your host. My name is Mark, and it is my job to unpack these stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm chatting with Devin White, who is the co-founder and CEO of Field, a cutting-edge brain optimization company specializing in personalized, precision-based neuroenhancement and comprehensive lifestyle upgrades. He is just full of knowledge. He's been doing this type of work for over 20 years and offers just incredible insight and practices for all of us to take away. So please enjoy this conversation. If you are, leave us a little love wherever you're listening. Stars, reviews, they go a long way. Lastly, before we dive in, this podcast, this episode, it's all brought to you by Keo, which is our daily mental fitness app. You can find it in the Apple App Store by searching KYO. And you'll see all these incredible guests are loaded in app to help guide you through your daily mental fitness. Thank you so much for your attention. And as always, have the absolute best day yet. So, Devin, who are you or how would you define you? Oh, that's such an existential opening. Uh, <laughs> that's how we roll over here. I'm down. I am. Uh, I'm father of three, husband to uh, a, a super phenom, and uh, and I have been on a, a a path. I guess in relation to this podcast, you know, I've been doing something for 25 years, which is working towards the development of an interface for humanity. Uh, that allows each and all of us to optimize ourselves and collaborate on a global scale to bring about the best results for the planet and future generations. So I think I arrived here because I am the CEO and co-founder of a brain optimization slash neuroenhancement company called Field. And I'll, I'll start with that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's perfect. And it, I mean, you couldn't have answered that in, in a better way. Because I mean, I asked that really so that we don't start with, you know, what's your job, essentially. So um, that extra context really helps. Um, one thing, you know, we, we've we've chatted a couple times now, and one thing I've been just so fascinated with is the fact, and you mentioned it in your description, like you've been working on something for 25 years that now, even now where we're at in, in the sense of like human performance and optimization, like it's just starting to kind of make waves, let's say in, in mainstream media and whatnot. And, and people are starting to grasp that it's not just elite athletes or, you know, super top performers and stuff like that, which is exciting, right? It's becoming more accessible, but I can't imagine like tw- go back, going back 25 years how did you feel in that moment in place? Because for sure you must have been an outlier in in that space, right? <laughs> or the space is, the, the space you can't of even high say the space. <laughs> yeah, that space was high school. Uh, yeah, I was definitely an outlier, um, but I was an outlier of you know I wasn't an outlier in insecurity, which I think is part of part of what drove it. Um, and and that just meant you know there were things that I didn't feel good about about myself and I discovered some things that gave me the opposite it gave me a dose of really 
feeling good and feeling relaxed and self-confident. And I dove headlong into that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in that way, I think I was both the same as a lot of my peers and that I think most most middle school kids and high school kids have deep and abiding insecurities. And I was different in the sense that I, I had an environment and I had, for whatever reason, some internal motivation to drive into, how, you know, how do I, how do I update that for myself? And, and I, yeah. I had a lot of luck also in being exposed to some context and some books uh, because it wasn't an internet back then. That that helped me think about that in a in, in a way that was effective for me. That's interesting. So, where do you think it all? Even you know, even going rewinding a, a little bit earlier, like where do you think that motivation or that that curiosity to what you know has become basically a uh, you know a real fascination in, in in human behavior? I think right and and performance and optimization, like where. It, it sounds like it started with you personally, just going through your own situation. Let, let's call it. Is that is that how it all started? A hundred percent. Okay. Totally self-involved, self-indulgent. Um, you know, I, I think I was a, I was people. People are givers or takers. I was a. a I mean, you know, and obviously it can be both. Uh, I think I was a giver early on, so it wasn't like it was just this self-driven egomaniacal like dive into me but you know i think anyone that that ends up getting into the meditation game ultimately there there's some self-centeredness because you're putting attention on being yourself and finding out what that means and you're putting that at the center of your world so but that that just came naturally it was something that that was inborn i always cared about it, um, you know, from the time that I had like a cognitive mind that was interested in, in thinking about stuff. Okay. So and is that where some of these practices started was around that age as well? Cause I mean, it, it's like now to talk about meditation now is becoming a lot more normalized. And what we're also starting to figure out that, or, or learn that the people have been doing this for literally like 20 plus years, but they're only talking about it now. So was it your, your surrounding or your parents? Like who, where was the influence coming to even learn about meditation and and, and some of these practices? Uh, Well, my mom was and is a psychologist. My stepfather back then was a psychologist. So I was, I was surrounded by that really in elementary school and middle school and he introduced me to NLP, also neurolinguistic programming, which became a, mm. a fascination. It was just, you know, I looked at it and it was, I was kind of turned off by psychology in general. I, I, I read up on it. I was interested, but in terms of effectiveness, it didn't, it didn't really seem to be delivering in the way that I, I thought was possible. Couldn't, you didn't, it wasn't like science where you knew you, you go in one way and you're going to come out another way. Yeah. Uh, and and NLP offered some some differences. It was the first thing that when I read it, I said, "Oh, this this makes sense, and it matches my experience of interactions with people, even if it's a little bit like computerish in its language." It, it was a logical breakdown of how consciousness worked. Uh, and I had a mother, okay. it, 
when she she left that man and we moved in and all of a sudden I had this whole new family and I was a teenager at that point. I kind of pieced out from the family. I, I retreated yeah. into my my attic bedroom and spent a lot of time by myself reading basically the same two books over and over again, which was Sinea Roman's uh, Personal Powerment. Wait, was it? I can't remember what it's called, but uh, Personal Power Through Something. And <laughs> she was a channel. And it it was just the most like light and love and framing and reframing kind of stuff I could ever have come across. But it was very much about taking personal responsibility and seeing in every interaction that you're having with anyone else, essentially the holographic nature of that and what it could be telling you about yourself and giving me a way to journal into what does this mean about me? And is there anything that I need to resolve? And how do I do it? And driving towards that. And the other one was Robert Anton Wilson's Prometheus Rising, which was the total flip side uh, in that kind of consciousness exploring world. He was irreverent and he just, everything was about reality tunnels and how many there are and pulling them apart and using science as best you can, but not being limited by what he started calling the the new inquisition, which was science being used to limit itself. And so I paired the two of those back and forth with a lot of meditation and experimenting with every kind of meditation I could find and yoga and you know chemical substances that would allow me to find out what the nature of consciousness really was super fascinating, and, and thanks for entertaining the the, the questions on you know the, the early days. Because and the reason I'm asking that is just, I mean, people can find out, and we'll link to all of this. There's a lot of incredible work that you're doing, and Field has been you know in the news quite a bit recently. Um, but it's it's always I'm always interested to see like where's all that coming from, right? And that what you just described, I mean people probably wouldn't guess these things. Like that's not necessarily what you, you hear every day, but it totally makes sense um, seeing your path now, right? Or at least a glimpse into it, obviously. Uh, so thanks for, for sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. So when, when Devin then did, like from that point, and then we'll, we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit closer to present day and, and, and chat a little bit about you today, but at what point then was there a, a conscious decision to, to actually work in this space and and maybe like what was one of the first projects that kicked off your current journey to work in in the space of consciousness in general as a career or in brain optimization specifically yeah let, let's say you're uh, as a career um I mean, I was like, it was a career as soon as I started in a way it was it was yeah, very personal fair. I wasn't getting paid for it. Um, when I was in high school, but I became, you know, I remember having a total stranger because basically my practice in school was I'm going to, there were a couple of states that I really liked. And I found that in hacking my own consciousness, the easiest thing to do was to focus on just a couple of, of experiences and get really good at them. Right. So the, the mantra that I, that I came up with was the strongest state wins. And I, I developed, I had a couple, one of them was I was 
wildly in love with this girl who was wildly not in love with me, but we were very good friends. So I got to stay close to her and nurture and nurse that feeling. And after a while, I figured out how to take her picture out of what I was, you know, the, the way that I was generating the feeling in my head. One day I went like, oh my God, there's a picture of her in my head. And that, I look at the picture and I feel in love. And so I just started cycling it until I got the feeling good enough that I could get rid of the picture and substitute something else in, which, you know, I was reading a lot of books on light and love. So light and white light became the substitute, which was really, it was good. It was very clean. You know, it was like a, ah, there's a blank slate, but that I can drive a feeling from. And then by getting really good at that feeling, I could access it and essentially override any other feeling that wasn't stronger than that one. Hmm. Uh, so I started doing that, and all the other the other state was just pure relaxation, letting everything go. So there was nothing happening. It was me in like total neutral. Okay. So I so, got, yes. So, so sorry, just for the strongest state wins. I mean, that's that, that's really interesting. So essentially, y- y- you can kind of pull out to like forty five thousand feet and replace that scenario with a stronger state, essentially, or that you have that ability. Am I getting that correctly? A hundred percent. And it made it extremely easy to go, to let my consciousness go really, really big because I was, mm. the, the deeper you go in state development, the more you have to let go of vestiges of ego because okay. if you just go into pure, raw feeling state, you're going to encounter like little the little eye that's like oh what about me and then you have to you have to just sit there with it until it resolves itself or it goes away which if i if i couldn't do it in a meditation journaling toward that feeling was incredibly profound you know like that was okay. i think that was what changed my journaling game is i really i was always going after one or two states rather than just like writing to, to tell about my day. I was telling about my day, but with this sort of, with this goal of ultimately resolving things so that when I got up from, from my desk or from wherever I was writing, I had a sense of calm and, and of equanimity. So was it like almost a, a, almost like a visualization type journaling? Like where you, like if you're faced with a problem or something that was bothering you, you were writing out the path to the solution or I was just journal. I was writing damn Tom that okay. ass what I can't believe how you know and, and I'd start off just whatever it was, just raw yeah, whatever blood out of my out of my system. And once I got that stuff flowing, then it was like I would naturally I would it was less a visualization and more just journaling into the feeling of settledness, which was beneath all of it. You know, I, I, yeah, I began totally. to forge through reading and meditation and just, you know, exploring the idea that there really was this unblemished perfection that resides at the center of each of us. And it's, it, it is the most essential frequency of who each of us are is and that I would go like, you know, well, here's, here's what I'm writing and here's what all of the outrage is and the emotion and where's this coming from? And boom, now I'm another level deeper. All right. Mm-hmm. And well, why does that matter? 
why do why does it matter that I, you know, that he that said that thing? Well, it matters because I felt insulted. Why does that matter? Well, because feeling insulted feels bad. Well, why does that matter? Well, because I was in front of the girl that I like. Well, why does that? And I'd go down, I'd follow the why chain until I got to just, well, because. Just and then and then there was that was like right off of just me being. And I would and then I would find the resolution to that. I would sit there with it and I would write until I I found it. Or something sometimes it was like, well, because I made this same same damn mistake six times and it's time to do something about it, and I'm not gonna feel good until I take some action. And then I'd leave with a little to do, like, must do this. Yeah. D- did you find that because that's fascinating. It's um it's really inspiring because I mean you I'd imagine you were at a like a, a fairly young age at that point, right? Doing going through this this type of um, self awareness and just work for yourself, which uh, is probably not the norm. Um, I, I'd imagine. So this 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 level of self awareness. What do you think was the driving force, or what were some of? The, I mean, you mentioned journaling, but I imagine meditation probably helped as well to to be able to see those triggers, right? Because even even most of us at at you know kind of our age at this point plow right through that don't even see it yeah i th- i think that it was having these two books <laughs> just <Sure. laughs> you know that when, you memorize <laughs> when you read the same two books over and over again and both of them have exercises and i just go through and i i would do it and i'd get better at them and there were people who were wise in totally yeah. different and unique ways and so i I was open to their input. They both really resonated for me. And so I, I allowed it. And both of them were doing very similar things in very different ways, which was basically going half of the stuff that, you know, we're, we're each half robot and half Buddha. And mm-hmm. the point is to identify as many of the idiotic robotic programs that we have and release them and put robotic programs in that support our Buddha nature or God nature, whatever you want to call it, but you know, a bet the expression of the best version of us, right? And yeah, and the idea of like just sacrificing yourself on the altar of of, of your own essence and passion and all of that, and and being willing to constantly go into that and own your ass, you know, like just be mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm stupid. Let's do it again. Yeah. So I think those, but those I, books, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I just, I love that. Like, cause anyone can do this, right? If, if you prioritize a bit of time to, to reflect and, you know, write a bit or whatever your tool is, but it, it you know, it's, it doesn't have to be this giant experience, right? It's, and, and I bring that up just because that's, I mean, that we're really focused uh, on that at Keo that, you know, there's a tremendous amount of value to go on a, you know, week long retreat or an event or, you know, be meditating on the top of this majestic mountain. But at the end of the day, when you're at home, you know, the other 300 and plus days, like that's where a lot of that magic takes place as well, that I think a lot of people don't realize, right? And you're you're kind of painting the picture. I mean, we'll get into your retreats in a minute, but you're painting the picture that you know you you can do this for yourself. I, I I think you can, yeah. I think if you unless you want to keep repeating the same mistakes and you don't want to go deeper and bigger in your own life, 
there's, it's sort of a requirement. You have to find some some version of that for yourself, whether it's meditation or yoga or journaling or all of the above, mm-hmm. so that you 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 set out some path for yourself and then you keep track of like are you on your way there or not? One of the biggest things that I that I've seen, you know, you asked me when I started professionally, and th- this is. What I was ultimately getting to was in in high school. Yeah. I, I took you my professionalism on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> my, my professionalism was was that I was learning to do it for myself. I wanted to learn how to do these one or two feelings, and then have that with other people in the world. And so I would go through in in school, and I would just do my best to like make everyone feel good. That was that was my high. That was my aesthetic. I like to make people feel good, especially in high school when so many people are miserable and so many people are just assholes to each other for whatever reason. And, and it gets better, I think, towards the end of school, but we're all like just recovering from middle school. And so I went out and I tried to figure out how to do that. And by by having very simple singular goals and going after it and then going back and recording, how do I how did I do? And what do I have to change? It was sort of like the the early version of KPIs. You know, like I, yeah. I knew what my, I, but it was just a goal. And then I would give myself feedback, you know, how'd I do? Did I fail? Did I succeed? What do I change? And it was driven off of feeling. So I went, okay, I want to create this feeling in this other person or whatever, whatever the complement of this feeling is in me with them. So I know mm-hmm. that I want them to feel good, whatever that version is for them. And I want to lift them up and, and give them a, a, a you know, a, a kick up in their relation for the day because, God, who's who's getting that in high school? And when I got out and I continued to do that, I started in college. I chose a college that would let me design my own major. And I studied on the outside with two of the leading hypnotists in the world and watched them get these profound changes. And one of the simple things that I saw happening, right, is over and over again, I see people who they have the same realization about themselves, which could be like negative self-talk. I say not nice things to myself. This is this is a you know an epidemic in our society for sure. They yeah. say not nice things to themselves, and they're struggling with that same awful pattern for their whole life. And I'm going like that is just too small of a mythology for anyone to say the same, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm whatever, like just start playing with it. That was the, the brilliance of NLP is it went like, hey, you use you use an internal voice. When you is your internal voice your mom nagging you? Is it you whining at yourself? You know, maybe say the same things to yourself, but say it in like a deep, sultry, Barry White kind of way. Or <laughs> or what, whatever, just slow it down, speed it up, play with it until, you know, make it come in echoes or, or make it a big chorus of gospel singers behind you or, or make it a bunch of people whispering so you have to listen really close. Whatever it happens to be that you start to like have a sense of play with your own consciousness and then you can look and go, oh, you know what? I'm not going to address all of my negative self-talk. I'm going to address this one thing that I do every morning when I sit down to breakfast and I'm going to I'm going to change that one thing. Yeah. And you change that one thing and then you move on and you do the next one. And if you do that, now to get back to what you asked me a couple minutes ago, which is 
now you've turned just a regular check-in or journaling or intentional process or practice. It's not a it's not a retreat and it's not a whatever. It doesn't have to be this intense thing. It just becomes a regular part of your routine. We're constantly and consistently making small adjustments to improve your life. And all of a sudden, after a year, an inch a day, and you've gone, you know, however many 365 inches is, or meters, if you want to go centimeters. Yeah. It's so powerful. And it's, you know, it just, it reinforces just the point that I think in general in society, right? Like it's where everything around us is is setting us up to be on some sort of autopilot, like our careers or school or work or routines. And it's so, it's, you know, it's not shocking that people have a hard time with that, myself included. And I'm sure there's things in your life as well. But it the the point being, you know, take taking the first step on something small and then, it, then all of a sudden it starts becoming manageable, right? Or you start seeing the benefit. And, um, and then it gets really exciting, right? Cause I mean, speaking personally, I mean, uh, I started with journaling, but then that obviously opened up to meditation and like a ton of other different tools or practices that it seems like it's endless, right? Which is super exciting. And, you know, being able to chat with people like yourself and seeing, uh, this is probably a good segue into some of the work that you're doing, um, like just where we're going in this space and working towards, you know, being tapped into our whole selves, right? Like not just, you know, the food we're eating, but like, how's all that affecting our whole, as you coined it, you know, the human operating system, right? So why don't we get into that? Because I, I feel like it's, we're kind of in a natural place on well, some wait, of the Mark, stuff you're Can I just say on. one thing? Uh, yeah, because that, sure. What you just said, like, that's what's exciting. That's what happens when humans, like you and I are two good examples of it. You said, I started journaling and then it turned into and turned into and turned into. And now all of a sudden you're at the head of a company that's helping other people improve their lives in measurable, consistent ways. So you've, you've done that same thing where you've just folded the realizations over on top of themselves. And now all of a sudden you're inside of not only a personal mythology, but a a company that is changing lives for the better, which now puts you into connection with other people who are operating in, in a similar space, who care about similar things, all of which makes it so that the, the kind of people you're interacting with further enhance and add to the direction that you've been going. So you get these additive effects in this virtuous cycle where every day is higher, every day is elevated, and it makes it easier to do less friction. And it's less likely that if you fall off for whatever reason, because we all do, we all have down days or weeks or whatever they are, you're surrounded by people who their expectations of you are just so high and so generative that you almost can't help but just click back into place and continue on with the momentum you've built because that's the life that you've built. You're, I mean, you nailed it, and it's it's just it's so fulfilling. And I think when we when we first, we had our first conversation, we, we could, you could feel the energy on the phone, right? And it's like, man, where has, at least on my side, it's like I, I haven't lived. I mean, this is this is fairly new since starting 
Keo and, 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 and where we've gone with it. But uh, I've never had that where it's like, yeah, obviously we should be speaking and it just feels natural. It's right. It's clicking like you're saying. And and almost every day is is like that in some capacity. Right. So, yeah, Amen. it's it's yeah. it's exciting. <laughs> so let's talk about your work. Um, I mean, maybe why don't like what I'm just I've got the website pulled up right now because you've you've got a really cool setup in the sense of. I've just, I've written down in my notes, like you're really impressive with your, your envision or envision. Now, now you can tell we're doing mock-ups for the app because that's the prototyping <laughs> software we use. Um, your vision, um, your vision is, is super impressive and just, you know, bringing on different companies that all like, if you look kind of on the outside may seem like separate kind of organizations or missions or whatever the case, but at the end of the day, they're all linking towards creating and supporting what you really want to do um, for humanity, which is, which is a very obviously grandiose vision, but a very exciting one. So why don't you just uh, explain a little bit to listeners what, what you're up to? Um, are we talking about field? <laughs> yeah, you and, I, you and I have have talked all over the the map, so I'm just making sure which, sure, I know yeah, which let's, company let's we're talk talking about. about. Field. Okay, sure. Um, so, and what am I addressing specifically? What I'm up to? Well, yeah, well, maybe explain a little bit about field, but I would love to hear a bit more about the the concept of a human operating system. That, that's kind of what I was referring that like all those different um, areas, like the marketing, the you know the advertising, even the retreats, like they all kind of link in towards. Um, ultimately helping people perform and, and be at their best, right? Or at least, and, and being, able, be, being able to see that in a, in a visual way. Right. It's, it's super exciting. So I've been collecting people, <laughs> I've, since I've been at this so long, and I don't recommend it for everybody. In fact, I recommend it for very, very, <laughs> very few people. Uh, having a passion like this, you know, it's one of my favorite things about, about uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is all of these, po- these pictures of him like, crashed out at the airport asleep at 5 a.m. And it's like, hashtag entrepreneur's life. This is what it's really like. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're not telling you that stuff. And living your passion is not all it's cracked up to be necessarily. Like I came and it just, it happened to be that way. It happened to be that like I was struck with something and the deeper that I went, the more I realized that I wanted to do this thing. And it just kept accreting around me. And the thing that I wanted to do was I had looked around, you know, back then there was just books and there weren't even a lot of books on whatever, enlightenment or, or you know, the, the trying to think of a course in miracles or whatever, whatever path there was to get you there. It wasn't a ton. It wasn't like now where there's 50 new books out every month on the same stuff. But as I watched that happen, I started to go, man, every book is really somebody's rewording, basically, of stuff that's been around for thousands of years, especially when I look at Buddhism, you know, and, and I, I feel like we're beyond that. Not that I, not, I, I love that people bring stuff and there certainly have been some really innovative and necessary pieces that have been added to it. Um, but for a long time, that's that's what I saw, especially before like the late the lately biohacking community has come and really started to connect the science in. 
but so I, I started going, okay, well, I want to, I, I developed the ability sort of during my, during my college years and working with these incredible hypnotists and behavioral change scientists, engineer, artists, right, to, to become a one-trick pony. And my one trick was no matter who you are, what your issue is, you're going to come in and we're going to have a session. And at the end of the session, you're going to walk out and you're going to not only have had access to what now is sort of passe to say this, but back then was innovative, the best version of yourself. And yeah. not only are you going to have that, but you're going to know how to run it for yourself because if I sit and I tell you a story about you know the Buddha, and if I do it in a way that's hypnotically engaging, conversational, and I tell you, you know, and then and he sat down, and as he touched his hand to the earth, the earth, and you know, the power of the earth was granted unto him, and you know, and you go into a real story where, and and he he had settled into himself in a way that few people prior to that point had known, and everything changed for him. Right? Tell a few stories like this in a row, and people begin to in order to make sense of it, they begin to access their own personal version of it. As they're doing it, I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm seeing how they're accessing. Okay, well, their eyes look up and to the left and 12 inches off, you know, out that way. And it's a diffuse sphere. And then their hip shifts, fo- shifts forward and they take a breath in. All of a sudden, they hear the world in a different way. So I'm, uh, I'm calibrating at a micromuscular level, all of these minute changes that are occurring inside of them. And then I say, so tell me about a time when you were like this, you couldn't put a foot down wrong. And now it really engages them because to tell the story, they have to access the experience. I've already primed the system. They've Mm -hmm. already accessed it a few times because of the stories I've told. Now they're accessing a personal version. And in order to make sense of the question, all of a sudden, they, they engage the whole system in that way. And they, as they begin to describe it, they're laying out the systemic neurosomatic, right? So the neurology and the, the micromusculature, the somatic form, as well as the sensory form, right? How they're organizing their kinesthetic and their auditory and their visual and olfactory and all these things to do that way of being. So I'm taking this snapshot of them in the best, this is the best they know, the best they've ever experienced, boom. And then I begin to amplify the experience, feed it back to them. And, to, and then I say, okay, here's the things that you need to know how you do. First, you bite your lip just a little bit. Mm, there's this gustatory thing. You feel it and they go, ooh, yeah. Right, and I, I amp it up and then I tell them how they did it. Now they have some sense. It's not a mantra. And everyone in the here's here's a mantra. You get this one of the ten mantras. Yeah. It's, it's, this is your personal zip code uh, to how you were designed to be. And if you start to now access this and only make really important decisions from this state first, well, mm. this is gonna this is gonna make it so that you begin to make decisions around the life that you really want to be leading. Because rather than having most people, they go, I want to get a, this kind of car because then people, then it'll do this thing for me, right? So they're coming from a position of need and lack and trying to plug an outside thing in to make it so that the internal feeling changes. And that's exactly backwards. So this is getting them to the state first and then go, okay, like this, you've already got everything you need, right? Yes, what's possible? Everything. Now what do you want? Now they're creating from a generative space. Okay, sorry for that long tangent, but it was necessary to say. Uh, yeah, super helpful. 
ultimately, I, it was great. I was happy I could do this. It was a unique skill. You were going to come in and you were going to walk out with that one way or the other, come hell or high water, no matter how much it hurt you or me. That's what you were going to get out of it. <laughs> right? And so I was thrilled, but I was a child of the peer-to-peer generation. I'm watching commuter, computers be networked and I'm watching gurus be born. And there was a choice for me and the guru model didn't, I didn't love it. I, I shied away from it, which is probably terrible. It was a bad business decision. But I doubled down on how do I create a system that all of us can plug into that honors that there are ways that each of us are at, at our best and it's hyper-personalized. And I want to build a system that allows everything to plug in to essentially what we ended up calling green zoning, your behaviors at every age and stage of your development. So your brain and your behaviors develop different ways at different stages in your life. You're developing a different intelligence when you're in utero, your muscles, your bones, your senses, than you are when you're you know, first born or when you're three to five. Now you're engaging like emotion and memory and um, uh, imagination all come online. And so that's those three things come together to create a concept database, which is how you're going to make sense of the world forever. And then you have six networks in this model. So how do we, how do we create that model? That's the human operating system. It was, we're going to build a model in order to make it so that the entire world can plug in. So we don't keep reinventing the wheel every time somebody wants to be a thought leader around personal performance or development or being, you know, enough already. Let's all plug in and create a platform that is integrated and it has some some simple but effective science-based rules. So that was the human operating system. And from there, it was really about, okay, now how do we, there's the other side of this, which is life design. You have to think about the categories of your life, your love life, your family, your finances, your career, your health and your fitness, uh, your nutrition, all of these kinds of things. How do you design that? And how do you implement habits? So I, I really architected it in the human operating system website, it, it, was, a, it was a massively expensive uh, development of a, of a life, like personal development course that only people who are super nerdy and really into personal development would ever love. Um, but it's beautiful. And it ultimately laid out that it was, it was a failure as like a membership site. But it was a success in terms of starting to build out the real visual architecture and lay the foundations for what would then become, okay, now we're going to plug in field, which is brain optimization, and we're going to plug in some genetic components. How do we find out the hyper-personalization of your diet and fitness based on your genetics and your biochemical snapshot? And how do we start to plug in all of the different experts who can help us bring the best system to support each of us from the moment we're born and support our parents in supporting us as children to just grow up so we can so personal development isn't a ha- it's not a hobby on the side it's just part and parcel of growing up like this is part of education is just learning how to do you and avoiding the pitfalls that all humans are susceptible to and getting the stupid stuff out of culture it's not that hard it it's complex but it's not complicated and we just have to start all collaborating and working together with a shared vision of where we want to go to make it happen. So, sorry, it was, a, it was a long tangent. I don't know how to explain it any shorter. No, that's, that's well done. Because <laughs> I mean, knowing uh, you know a few of the things that you're working on, 
um, there, there, you know, there's a lot, right? And uh, I think you did a, a great job explaining that. And I'm also really pumped that you didn't go down the guru path. Uh, I know, I know, maybe a you know short term business decision. Um, you're you know maybe questioning, but I feel like, like, had you done that, um, we 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 just we continue down the same path. Like what excites me right now, it's like a, a lot of this stuff, the core beliefs or the practices and all of that have, to your point, have, have existed for for thousands of years, right? And we're seeing a reassurance reassurance uh, uh, resurgence. Resurgence. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Tag, tag team. <laughs> um, even even on our case, right? Like journaling. I mean, it's not it's not a new practice. We're we're, we're bringing it um, in a, in a little bit more of a modern way and, and trying to tap into that. But I think I agree with you. Is we need to level up that that next experience. And had you gone the guru path, it's like it would have been the same group of people that are already somewhat interested in this and want to go further versus the you know like the other eighty percent of the world that has a bit of inkling on okay this is this is stuff that I could probably get involved with or I'm int- I don't know where to start and like that's what's being unlocked now and I feel like that's what's really exciting and especially with the technology uh and everything that you guys are building so um yeah kudos to you, to to you and the team well it's a big undertaking it's definitely a big undertaking and thank you <laughs> and and totally. and uh, it was a pauper's undertaking for a long long time because the guru route is much more easy financially yeah well that's kind of what i was my at. long-winded answer i was trying to get at yeah totally so for for something like field um which is um is is a retreat or is a, a an offsite experience um where it, from what from my understanding, I haven't just for for listeners, I have not participated in one, but just what I can see online and what's been written up. Um, at this point, at least, it seems like a lot of a like a, there's been elite athletes and top performers that are going into this and really trying to, um, you know, cultivate. I mean, I'm using some of your words, cultivating elite minds. So. Like, what's that experience like? Or, and, and I guess the follow up question is like, what have you learned from going through these experiences and seeing people kind of take the next level? Because it's almost like what you described in your kind of one on one sessions, but now it's 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 scaling up and on all fronts. The coolest thing is that now when I do an elicitation, I can see their I can see their brain waves. So that is awesome. Yeah. And I can, I can record the brain waves. I'll tell you for myself, I went in and the first time I said, okay, here's my brain naturally. And they went, okay. And then I dropped into meditation. I, they gave me about 90 seconds, which is far shorter than I, than I usually need. But I, I, I did okay. And they said, oh, look at that. Everything that we would have given you, you brought up for yourself naturally in meditation. So my parietal, which like collects all of the information from the outside world, works faster than my anterior cingulate, which is the executive center. And so the information that was getting volleyed forward wasn't, it was like a little bit out of sync. So even though I was processing well, it wasn't where it could be. And because I had excess beta, which is like a faster thinking wave, I, even when I was in neutral, unless I was meditating or, you know, but my, my basic neutral, 
I was still thinking, you know, still like I was, I was, I was running in sport mode rather than just neutral. And hmm. so uh, they just looked at my meditation. They looked at my brain on meditation and they went, Oh, look at that. You just did it. And I said, well, Hey, can you, can you just make my brain do this all the time? They said, yeah, sure. And so they used transcranial magnetic stimulation, right? So some magnetic burst in my brain and then a little bit of neurofeedback. And I went back and it was like, it was probably two days later that I was at breakfast and I was talking to my family and they were all laughing. And I, was, I thought to myself, man, I am on fire today. What is going on? Why, is everyone, why am I so funny? Why is everyone laughing so much? And then I, I saw them. I was like, those, those brain people. This is it. <laughs> uh, so the, the big difference is we can see it, we can record it, and we can take a lot of the heavy lifting out. We can, you know, on the clinical side, which is where this was developed, meaning people who were coming in with, with real clinical issues, severe anxiety, PTSD, depression, body dysmorphia, um, anxiety disorders, you name it, they were having massive, massive success, 100% success with anxiety cases, right? Panic mm-hmm. attacks. All, all of the depression, all of these issues. And there's a lot of places out there that are doing really cool things with TMS and they're treating depression, but they're not looking at the brain with an EEG, which is crazy to me. Any of these, any of these techniques, even the consumer take-home stuff, if you're treating yourself or someone else is treating you and they're not looking at your brain first, that is just bonkers to me because the brain is essentially the the operating system it it connects to every other organ system in the body and has the ability to interact and massively affect each of those other systems so yeah. you want to even though the FDA has approved certain protocols for depression for example they're not always the most effective sometimes it's an off label protocol that's going to deliver the results and the FDA approved protocol could could give contraindicated results. So for me, you have to look at the brain. But what I got out of this was you started to see, oh, wow, we can can see so much about how someone's brain is working and we can can work directly with the brain and you can build patterns, especially with neurofeedback. You know, with chemicals, what you're doing is you're offering a short-term solution that you always need the chemicals to get there. With something like mm-hmm. neurofeedback, you're training the, the cytoarchitecture, training the, the neurons how to fire. So it becomes habitual. So you take away the neurofeedback and the habit remains. So I started to develop the extra alpha where I used to have beta just because they, you know, I developed it as a habit. I put the neurofeedback on, so it delivered the experience for me. Uh, so that was a, a big piece, and I want to say we're 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 moving away from the retreat model, uh, and in part because that, that was really a stopgap measure for me. This is the Tesla model. The, it's the same. Like yeah. I, when I started doing this stuff, I worked with people who were as broken as I could find them because I I didn't go for my PhD. I wanted I didn't feel like psychology had that much to offer me, so I wanted to I wanted the experience, and so I wanted to prove my chops to myself. I wanted to make a big impact on the world, so I began moving towards higher performers where impact with one person has a cascading effect to thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. And, and ultimately, that was we stayed with that model to you know 
brain optimization, brain hacking, this kind of stuff, it's becoming a thing, but it's still not known by the majority of, uh, of our society. So it was treat people who can afford it, who are interested in high performance, who can afford this because we have a, the bottleneck is we only have so many people that can, that know how to do it and we need them. We're developing AI so that you can take this home and get treatment and we can drive the price down and ultimately it can scale out to everyone and you have democratized wellness. But in the, in the interim, it was, all right, people who can afford this, how are we going to give them a really next level experience? That was the retreat model. Now we've brought in a wellness industry insider who specializes in replicating essentially day spas. So we're developing out our new model. We'll open one in New York uh, later this year. And then we have four more slated in the upcoming years to give it greater access uh, and to start again, developing enough of the AI that we can do what the ultimate intention is, which is provide this to people at the lowest possible cost so that everyone can have it because mental wellness is something that should be available to us all. Uh, that's, that's, I think that's important to every single person that's in this, that, that, that works for field and works with field. Um, and then just to circle back around one more thing that I found that was interesting is, you know, for me, once you have someone optimized, then you can work on enhancement, right? When you're working with an, mm-hmm. treating someone who has anxiety, you're fixing something that's broken. Treating someone who is really a high performer, you're usually reducing the noise and just letting their brain do its natural function, but without extra baggage, without that noise. Once you've got sure. them there, then you can go through and, and go through, again, back to the human operating system, the networks, and go, hey, we can physically, we can tune you, you up. You can tune up your proprioception or your interoception. We can tune up you know, your self-awareness or the, the way that you move through the world. We can integrate dynamic body movements from experts. So we tune that part of your brain up, we prime it, and then we have you interact with someone who is a proven expert in body dynamics who's going to get you loose and moving well and on balance and you know, greater sensitivity and awareness. And then we can move on to the next piece and enhance your emotional perception and depth and range and on and on and on into cognition into ultimately your experience of connection with the, the greater whole and the greater system. So that, that to me is the really, really interesting part is that you can actually prime the brain to start to learn things that would ultimately take a lot, lot longer and a lot more time to do, even if that was your whole life. Well, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> some people will never get to that th- this level ever, right? Yeah. Which is, which is, it's super inspiring. It, I, I can't wait to see, uh, see and be a part of the journey in some capacity on, on, on where you guys are going to go. Because the, the whole time you're, you're, when you first started speaking about the the, um, the experience I was thinking, you know, obviously if you can help someone uh, that's in like great need from a, a mental health condition, then my mind was immediately going to, well, you know, then there's that whole other group that's at half, half full in the, in the tank, right. That, you know, some are, are, are typically not really diagnosed or not seen and they're just floating around. Well, like there's a ton of people that can uh, benefit from 
uh, a setup like this, right? So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I mean, I'm excited for you guys. <laughs> um, I want to respect your time, so I'm going I'm to start wrapping up a bit. But just based on everything what, that you just said now, like for you personally, some of your core go-to practices, and, and I, I know you mentioned some at the beginning of the conversation, but like in your day-to-day right now, like what are some of the staples or what, what have there been some modifications or changes since obviously going through uh, basically your own, your own setup? Uh, well, work to some degree is, it, it keeps me right where I, where I want to be, right? Like I've designed my whole yeah. life so that I, as a hypnotist, when I was younger, I used to tell stories to, you know, I did conversational hypnosis. So I'm in front of a room and I'm training people and I'm just telling stories to elicit states and install patterns of behavior and thought, right? And, and that was fun. And one day I thought, I ultimately want my, everything in my life, I want my business to, to be this. So I could just talk about it and it would, it would reinforce these habits in myself and others. Uh, and I'm, to some degree, I'm, I'm there. Like I, I have an incredible wife who I'm wildly in love with who constantly if I go if I'm working too much she forces me to disconnect um and and just refall in love with her and that's a daily thing and a weekly thing and a monthly thing and and it's you know it's it's amazing and I'm in love with my children and I sitting in bed with my youngest daughter and reading with her at night I, there's nothing, there's nothing better than that. Uh, and yeah. I, and I work out regularly and I eat regularly. And these days I take a little Fenibut every other night before I go to sleep, which helps me sleep deeper. And I take a little melatonin because by the time you're 40, your melatonin is dropped off, you know, precipitously. So I, I give myself a little kick there. And other than that, I think you, you know, you asked me before, and I think you, we're talking about uh, what questions I ask myself uh, at like yeah, big life shoot. changes. And I, th- I thought about it and I, I really ask, there's a virtual question I'm always asking myself, which is, is, is this taking me where I want to be going? Is, is this a fit for my life? Is this part of my, my mythology of who I am? And at big transitional moments, I'll really pull back and I'll examine, I'll, I'll, I'll take some time with that myth and go, am I still this person? Am I still becoming this? And therefore, is the life that I've designed for myself a fit and match? And I really, in those moments, it's everything is up for grabs. It could, like, I could just walk away from my entire company and everything you know everything that i'm doing because i don't know how else to be true and honest and fresh with it if i don't allow myself to to make that decision in a really honest way and to feel like i'm you know i have to do it um so that's i think that's mm. the, those are those are the big ones it's a constant check you know all decisions at this point major and minor decisions are 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 checked against the felt sense of, is this right for me? Is this, is this bringing me to where I'm going in a holographic way that has integrity with who I am and who I want to be? And on the bigger scale, it's just allowing the mythology to, to be porous and to be up, up for change 
You know, every once in a while, it's it's ready for a revolution, even though it's ultimately been a continual evolution. There's been very few times that I've gone like, "Yep, I'm done. I'm scrapping it all." But I have, I have. <laughs> so, well, I just I, I really really love these prompts. I love the um, the first time anyone's really brought up the concept of just if this life is matching the 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 person that's you know kind of in front of me right now, and I think just kind of goes back to that theme of coming stopping the autopilot right because if you don't stop and ask that question or something to that effect like you'll just keep going and it just it never stops right <laughs> so it's it's such an important uh, reflective question so thank you for for sharing that and the others and for your time today and on on behalf of everyone listening uh devin um I just want to send a huge thanks to you and the team because because of the work that you're doing and the and in your case personally, you know, the 25 year drive, let's call it, and vision and just putting your all into it. There's going to be there is and will continue to be um, tremendous, tremendous benefit for for us humans. So thank you for that. Well, right back at you, Mark. Thank you. And and uh you know, such a such a pleasure and an honor to be on the podcast with you. And uh, man, I just want to keep talking to you because I just I get such a kick out of it. And you know, you you're one of the signs on my personal path that things are going in the right direction because I just every time we talk, I'm elated and I know that I'm connecting with the right people because you're, you know, you've got one of my favorite vibrations around. So kudos and thank thank you and and your team. Absolutely. Oh, that lights me up. 